<clears throat> From the suburbs of New York City and Quarteret, New Jersey, welcome to our second episode of 2023 of On the Sports Clock. I'm your host, Tyler Onstott. I am really honored to have today's guest. Uh, if you follow Missouri State Athletics or the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, this man needs no introduction. His tenure at Missouri State included head baseball coach from 1962 to 1982 and athletics director from 1982 to 2009. During his tenure as AD, he hired college coaches that have had successful careers, including, but definitely not limited to, Steve Alford, Conzo Martin, Barry Henson, Cheryl Burnett, Charlie Spoonhauer, Keith Gunn, Holly Hesse, John Leamy, Randy Ball, and Terry Allen. He is also a Missouri Sports Hall of Famer. It is my distinct honor to have on the podcast Coach Bill Rowe. Coach Rowe, thanks for joining us and, and hope all is well in Springfield and Southwest Missouri. Uh, hey, it's it's drizzly, drizzly here today with rain, but yesterday it was 62 and bright sun as it was the day before. So I just marked those off as two days closer to spring for us getting better weather, but but it's good overall. But good to hear your voice and and uh, to know, get caught up with you, uh, Tyler. My, my privilege to get to do this with you, knowing from your undergraduate days here and the help that you provided us was uh, was great in every way and got you kick-started into where you're really interested in the field, and uh, we love that very much. Well, I really appreciate that, and you and your family um, have done a lot for me, and, and if I could tell a couple stories uh, real quick, just kind of reminiscing. Uh, so, you know, everybody that listens to all my episodes knows I was heavily involved in speech and debate, and Coach Rowe's daughter, and, and I say this with the utmost respect, Coach Rowe, but her and her team were a thorn in my side. Uh, so she was the head coach at at uh, Parkview, and, and you know, of course, I went to Willard, and I would have gone to Nationals if it wasn't for her and her team, but they, they seem to always... Uh, just do one more, one, one better than me, but really have a lot of respect for, for her and the program and, and what she accomplished there. And, um, and then you, of course, you know, being around the athletics program when I was there. And, and I still to this day talk about how, you know, I graduated from Missouri State and it was after a baseball game. I actually left the baseball game early to get help my parents set up for my graduation party. And I told you about the party the day of or the day before. I think it was the morning of. And I didn't expect, you know, you tell somebody the day of, and not only did you show up, coach, you drove all the way out to Willard, but she brought a gift and, and sat there and talked with my family. And to this day, we still talk about that. And that just goes to show the type of person you you That's, and your family are. That, that was great. And, and believe me, I enjoyed that just as much as they did. And as I recall, uh, Paul Evans, I remember he was there and seemed like somebody else came just from baseball alone to, uh, to celebrate your day with you. But you know, we, we always want to do that sometimes. Time doesn't permit it, Tyler, but, you know, uh, what we've accomplished here is uh, is really because of a lot of really good people uh, pulling in the same direction. We didn't have a lot of people, as you well know. Uh, there weren't a lot of assistants running around. That's why you all got a little bit more responsibility as time went along, because we saw what job you could do, and others that have preceded you and some that have followed you did the same thing. So my privilege to do that and to get to know what you're doing today and and yeah nancy my daughter uh, has recalled that a time or two when your name would come up she said you know he was always tough on us but we finally get him in the very end and and so she's not forgotten that she retired from there uh because my granddaughter her daughter was going into high school and she wanted her to to be able to see her stuff so she teaches at missouri state and at the otc here in springfield and gets to watch both her and my grandson He's a baseballer out of Glendale, so they're providing her and all of us good uh, uh, good activities to follow. We love being in the position we're in, but we treasure the days when you were around and uh, that she got to work uh, against you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, just really appreciate you and your family and all you've done for, for my family and, and uh, you know, Missouri State, which we're going to talk extensively about. So let's uh, let's get into that, Coach. Um, very fond memories myself of Missouri State. Um, so kind of how did that all develop? How did you uh, first become the baseball coach there and then, you know, the athletic director? And, and we'll just go from there. Well, I was from a small town myself smaller than Willard, a uh, town called Marionville. We always had good uh, good athletes and uh, a class 1A classification. It would have been at that time. We didn't have playoffs when I was in high school, I regret to say, but uh, 
raised on a very small dairy farm with my parents. We, we most of the food we ate, it was either on the hoof from uh, beef cattle or hogs in a great big garden. And uh, those are just things you did. You know, you had about 10 milk cows, but we didn't make lots of money. My parents did. I knew when I was going to go to college on, I was going to have to generate. And none of my family had ever gone. I was the first one out of my family to, I have two sisters, but even out of my extended family to go to college. And, but I just fell in love. My, my dad would, we had one radio in the house. And we were one of the few people who had electricity at that time, just to be bone honest about it. But we did have electricity. I never remember not having it. And uh, he would listen to the St. Louis Cardinals. And he would listen to the SMS Bears, as they were called at the time, Southwest Missouri State Bears. One radio was all. Obviously, television wasn't around yet. And uh, I liked what I did. I loved my parents. I loved the background. But I, he could never go watch me play unless it was a very short distance away from Marionville because those dairy cows got to be milked every morning and every evening. And it, I just said, I love you all much, but I'm not going to do this all my life like my dad had. And then he worked away from the house in the daytime. So that gave me the impetus to go there. And then I had a young man named Jerry Hillhouse, who was our milk caller. Uh, we sent our milk to Carnation plant over in Mount Vernon, Missouri every day. And, and once in a while I would ride over with him and he just showed good interest in me as a as a, I was an athlete growing up and he was already in college at SMS and he invited me to, to take me up to a game and and first one I saw I was in love with the whole deal. I just said I don't care where else I go I'm going to go here. So I wound up doing that and I've got to tell uh, anybody that would be ever watching this uh, our tuition at the time was $26.50 a term and you had three terms fall winter and spring. Now, if you can believe that, now tuition here is over $200 an hour, and we're inexpensive compared to a lot of other universities, as you know, Tyler, throughout the country. But I came here. Uh, they didn't have baseball. I'll tell about that in just a moment. So I tried to play football. was never heavy at all and, and hung around my freshman year, but it would be better if, uh, if I just tried to help out in another way. So I volunteered my... Uh, my assistants in whatever way I could as a team manager for a variety of sports in the training room. Well, then my sophomore year, they evidently liked what I was doing because they gave me a little bit more responsibility. By the time I was a senior, there was no full-time trainer. I traveled with basketball on the road to, to be a trainer because Coach Matthews had taught me how to tape ankles and did a good job of it. So I did travel with them and I've always told my, my kids and then they since have told the grandchildren that an interesting tidbit there that we're about uh, we're, we were in a league called the MIAA at the time. We're in Springfield, Missouri. Cape Girardeau, Missouri is over in the southeast corner by Illinois and Arkansas border. But when we went over there to play basketball, now this is just out of the blue. Uh, we go over to play and uh, we, we practiced at this uh, southeast Missouri state and then got back in the bus and went across the river, the Mississippi rivers there to the state of Illinois and uh, stayed all night in a hotel there. And then we all kind of wondered, well, why? Well, we had two black players on our team and they were not allowed to spend the night in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, because of the old, the old uh, race situation back in the day. And that was about in 1959 uh, or 1960. And then a lady in a town right by Jackson, Missouri, she had a a family style meal you could go there to eat so all of our team ate there because coach matthew said if if all of us can't eat none of us will eat so we did that but historically it's always kind of stuck out in my mind that you know i watched this changeover that go from segregation to integration some good things about it that took place that are tragic but i'm sure glad it's moved to the direction it is now we're way ahead of that but that was some of the highlights there that they let me keep doing it so I stayed on. We had a cooperative program with the University of Missouri to get a master's degree. And I knew I wanted to get that. Just when I finished school, I didn't want to have to go anymore. And uh, I was able to take two graduate courses my senior year as an undergrad. And then I took summer, full year summer, and completed my master's degree and politely joined the Army because at that time the draft was pretty heavy. And went up, took my physical, was all ready to report in August, and 
and I get a note that I was 1Y. I didn't even know what that meant. My draft board said, well, you've got, there's a health situation. Uh, you've got a hernia that you've got to be fixed. I'm not going to take you with that. And I said, well, no, I already had it fixed. He said, well, you have another one. So here I was without a job, late August, and uh, Aldo Seaman was the director of athletics. And of course, I've been tight and working with him for two and a half, three years. And, and uh, he said, let me try to get you on supply basis. So for $4,250, they hired me. That was for the year, not the month, for a year uh, to be the uh, an assistant coach in, in football and track, because we still didn't have baseball, and director of intramurals. Everybody had more than one hat to wear, believe me, at that day and time. So then stayed that way uh, for the first two years. And then uh, in the fall of 1963, they indicated they were going to start baseball. And again, because of money situations, and several of us had bugged them about playing. When are we going to start baseball? They agreed they were going to, so they did. And uh, I knew the baseball. I was there. I was inexpensive. And they hired me as the, new, the inaugural baseball coach at Southwest Missouri State University at that time. And uh, that began a 19-year career as the coach. And as the business manager, because Coach Matthews, our coach, died of a heart attack, and they elevated it business management, who's his assistant coach, Bill Thomas, up. So they moved me into his business manager slot and uh, as the head baseball coach. So since then, just to give a stop there, that's how I got here to this university that ultimately just never left. And uh, I was director of athletics for 27 years after the, the time that I'd been the baseball coach and I had a total of 47 years I had worked at the university when I retired in June 30 of uh, uh, 2019. So I'll stop there for in case you got a question or anything about that you want to know about. Yeah, well, definitely uh, 47 years, uh, a lot that you accomplished for sure as athletic director. So I want to talk about that. Under Coach Rowe, um, where, I mean, where do I start, Coach? I was reading, you know, kind of refreshing my mind today. And, you know, you took, a, took Missouri State from Division Two to Division One two final fours on the women's basketball side, oversaw renovations of Plaster Sports Complex and um, JQH Arena being built and Forsyth Athletics, uh, Forth Forsyth Athletics Center, sorry, uh, renovations, uh, men's basketball making the 1999 Sweet 16. And that was on top of the run. Uh, I believe we had three or four appearances in the NCAA tournament under Charlie Spoonhauer. Of course, baseball, can't forget the 2003 College World Series run. Um, so, I mean, where do I where do I start well, out of all that? That's a that's a heck of a lot well, of things you were you know you oversaw there. I noticed and right off the bat was the changeover, and I had worked with the kind of the organization, but in, in a in a kind of a side view of moving from Division Two. In our last three or four years in Division Two, we were already having to start to play some of these other people to attempt to get them to come back and give us a home game or two. Because when you go from Division Two to Division One, you got to play a lot of road games. Either for guarantee, once in a while somebody will come back and play you. But that was the change. The transition year was my first year as the director of athletics, and uh, you know, it, 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 fundraising took a different turn. Our prices didn't go up that much, but we really pushed the ticket situation. A lot more and one thing about being around for a lot of years you know a lot of people and that really helped me in that vein on fundraising for change our budget had to be increased for going to division one for the people we were playing more uniforms more scholarships um, so that was the thing i could work into and I'd kind of been doing that for a couple three years but then that spring i knew that uh, by being around our basketball program since coach thomas who had had great success took our team to three uh, Final Fours in Division Two when the tournament was being held at Evansville in basketball. But we had gone down um, since that time. And uh, they'd hired a, a young man named Bob Cleland. He's the late Bob Cleland. He's now deceased. And and he, he, he came in, but it just didn't work. And I knew it the very first, I knew it before I became BAD, but I knew after watching us through that season that we were going to make a change. And I went to the president with a recommendation and I said, Bob's given good effort, but it just isn't working. And I can see that it's not going to work. And uh, 
that gave us the opening. Then once we made the change to, we had head coach Spooner here as a volunteer assistant, no money, back in the uh, 60s. Uh, he came from a high school, come by our alums there, said, hey, this guy wants to be a college coach. He's great at what he does. He's a good coach. So he volunteered, and I'd followed his career to uh, two junior colleges, one up at Moberly, Missouri with good tradition, Southeast uh, Iowa Community College, and he was assistant coach uh, for Joe Ramsey down at the University of Oklahoma, and assistant coach for Moiva at Nebraska, and I'd followed him. We'd been staying in touch all this time. So I we opened the job up, and I uh, did a bunch of interviews out in New Mexico uh, University when the Final Four was down there. But in my heart, I knew who we needed to hire, and uh, I convinced the board that it needed to be Coach Spoon and I brought back. And if I never made, made another good hire, which we, we I was fortunate we did make more in a variety of sports, but Charlie was just what we needed. He fit our community great, and immediately – put uh, a lot of vim and vigor into the program, was great with people skills, absolutely fabulous recruiter, and we started winning more, winning more, so that by 1986, uh, uh, we had a new president, and he'd been here a few years that convinced me that we need to bid on getting into the NIT tournament. And because uh, we had been winning our league, but didn't get a bid to go to the NCAA tournament yet. And uh, so he, a little maneuverability here, Tyler, it needs to be mentioned. He said, what What do we get out of the NIT if we go to that? So I told him, I said, well, they pay all the team expenses on coming in and the officials. We pay everything else. The utilities of the building, the police involved, ticket takers, ticket sellers, uh, custodial, all the concession, all the cleanup. And then from that, the, the amount we don't totally that we're responsible for they get 75% of it, we get 25%. So Dr. Marshall Gordon was our president. He said, okay, Bill, you figure, whatever you think that 25% might be, if we fill the place up, and then you add that in for added tickets. In other words, that'll boost our bid up. So I did that, and we politely went over 9,000 in two consecutive games. We had Marquette brought in here, mainly because we bid a, a good high bid beat them, and then we beat the University of Pittsburgh, and uh, Rick Majerus was the coach at Marquette at the time, and we won those two games in 1986, and it really kind of put us on the map, and then next, so the next year we advanced and got an NCAA bid and went to Atlanta and beat Clemson in the first round and lost to Kansas by four in the second round when they had Danny Manning and, and his crew, but that was kind of the impetus that got us going on that that end of it. And you've mentioned some of the other accomplishments, but those are really transitional periods that we had to depend on good help, good supervision, good fans. Administration was behind us. The media got behind us, but we had to answer tough questions at times, but it really, uh, really worked out to the advantage and got us really the impetus in Division One that we were allowed to start scheduling other people. And uh, that led to... I know, let's see, we went in uh, about uh, 86, 89, 88, uh, four or five of the years. Charlie's last year was 1992. We lost to Michigan State over at uh, uh, Dayton, Ohio. They hosted it, but we'd gone then before that to Arizona. We went to uh, Texas. We went to uh, U uh, UCLA for regionals. So I think we went to four regionals uh, with our basket, men's basketball program. And then the women were coming on like gangbusters that fed into the coach Burnett replaced the, she'd been an assistant coach to the coach here in the women's basketball. And then we, we, uh, she started getting a lot of good local players that for towns that you're familiar with at uh, Joplin and at Marshfield, the, the, uh, uh, two Howard sisters out of there, but we just got really good and went to the went the league. We were we were having great crowds for women's hoops. We we're having eight thousand a pop in at our arena that held eighty eight hundred. We went over capacity a time or two to that nine thousand. We did the NIT, but so went to the final four. Uh, first we went up to uh, uh, 
Rutgers and played uh, Rutgers and uh, I forget who else out of there at the time. And then won that. Then we got sent to Washington and we beat uh, Duke and Washington out there to advance to the final four. So, I mean, it was that was in the, the 92 and 89. We did the same thing, but we went to Denver and won there. And to go to two final fours is kind of unheard of that day and time. But 1992 was the first one, then 2001 was the second one. And then everybody's heard of Jackie Stiles, who held the NCAA scoring record for 17 years. She led us in the, the 2001 World Series, I mean World Series, the final four, which was held in St. Louis, ironically. And here we were in the state. It really worked out well. Yes, and, and you... Um... Again, appreciate you sharing insight on those uh, wonderful accomplishments by the athletic program. And um, the one question I do have, so you talked about maneuvering, um, and I have to bring this up, Coach Rowe. Um, so I had Coach Henson on my podcast last year, and he mentioned when they opened up JQH Arena, we played Arkansas on November 22nd. I believe it was 2009. The only reason I remember the exact date is November 22nd is my birthday. So, uh <laughs> But they played Arkansas, and he said that you his exact comment or, or variation of was Coach Rowe was so good at finagling things that somehow there was a football game that needed to be moved. And so this pretty much it was, we'll move this football game, but then you all are coming to open our arena here. So do you, do you remember kind of that, that story, yeah, how that I, all went I down? Do. And Coach Royals was uh... – now, you talk about when we opened the arena, uh, my, JQ, I mean, uh, Hammond Student Center? JQH Arena. Oh, JQH. Well, uh, I'd, you know, one of the things about if you, if you get on committee work at the NCAA, believe me, that's a big plus. You get to know a lot of people. Coach Broyles, I had known him for years in advance because of the proximity we are at Arkansas. We'd played him in baseball a lot when I was coaching, kept the friendship going. And then I still do regionals or super regionals as the NCAA rep in baseball. Well, I would, I'd been sent down there probably three times and got to know Coach Royals. And, and I told him, I said, you know, uh, I tell these people, you got to come to a game at Fayetteville because you're gonna, then you're going to see how the people turn out for these regionals. Well, so if it was close, they got the home games. Well, he would get up publicly and then tell people at a banquet or something that, you know, we need to be grateful. We've got good relationships with people up at uh, Southwest Missouri State in Springfield and, Bill Rose, my friend, and we know we're going to get a fair shake when he does it, and we're going to try to help them out, too. And then we had to move a date, and he agreed to do that. And then I said, we'd like for you to do the dedicatory game for him and Student Center, which was our arena at the time. And uh, he just agreed to do it. So we did a home-and-home home with Arkansas, which was unheard of. And uh, he had the triplets at that time. Eddie Sutton was coaching there. Uh, they won the game, a very, very close game. In fact, they thought it was over once. They left the floor and they had to go bring him back because there's only four players on the court. One had fouled out and they hadn't put the player on, but we still lost it. So then fast forward to all those times I'd still been down there again to see him. And Coach Rose came up to look at our baseball park. And he wanted to know about uh, coming up to look at it. They were going to add some sweets and he wanted to look at this one. We did that. Then he, he got word that we were going to get a new arena. And he said, well, uh, you said something before about a new arena. Do you still want us to do that again? This time I had to go two for one. We went there one year. They came that next year and opened JQH Arena, which Missouri State won. We were Missouri State University and our name had been changed. We won the game and then we returned to them the next year. But for a two hour trip from our campus, our, our bonus for the year guarantee was $100,000 and 150 tickets. So we we sold the extra tickets that we had, we could above what our families were using, the players, and that paid for our trip down there. So it is a good term, but it just tells you what relationships, I think more from even maneuverability. Uh, Coach Bros was a friend till the day he died, and it, uh, he was a legend in so many ways and taught me a lot of things myself that have helped me in my career, but uh, Barry's right. It takes cooperation, and our coaches got to buy into that. And then when they do it, you look around. There's people that will help you, but you got to be good people and be willing to, like you say, trade off whatever you got to do to make things work. And that was one of the good accomplishments we made. 
Yeah, and you talk about uh, your relationships. So I was, as I was kind of doing some research uh, for this podcast, uh, there was a man you hired, first Division One head coaching job, and I'd say he's had uh, okay of a, of a coaching career, um, but you made that hire, and this was based on the article I read, you made that hire based on the recommendation of a referee who had come up to you before the season had ended and said, if you want to make a change, you have to make a phone call to this guy, and and the guy we're talking about is Steve Alford, who would go on to coach at, at Iowa, uh, University of New Mexico, uh, UCLA and is now at a University of Nevada. Before that, he was at a Division three school in Indiana. Um, so everybody knows him as a player as well, you know, Mr. Basketball. So um, kind of talk about that hire a little bit and and um, his four years there that took us to the, the 1999 yes. uh, Ironically, I just sent his son a note, Bryce, the young one that was about uh, me, a few months old when they came here. His birthday is today. And he's playing in Poland now. And I just sent him one up an hour ago. Just my wife reminded me it was Bryce's birthday, so I shot one off to him. But uh, we we knew that uh, that we needed to, to make a good hire, and if we could pull this off, and uh, we didn't know really know who to go to. But the, the guy that replaced Coach Spoonhour, uh, it just hadn't worked out. He'd been an assistant here, was a great ex- assistant coach for Charlie. And uh, we had elevated him to the head coach and Charlie retired. But again, it's one of those you just know after three or four years, whatever it was, that it just, we need to make a change. That's the nature of the business. I still respect them and care for every one of them. But I think I've had to remove seven from all the years I was there to be able to do it. And when I did that, uh, I, I really gave it good thought about what we could and couldn't do. And this referee told me one night, real late in the season. He said, I feel like I've been coming here long enough. And he was from Wisconsin, by the way. Just a good, great referee, he's since been a supervisor uh, for that. But anyway, he said, should you decide at the end that you are gonna make a change? Uh, I'm not gonna say anything to you now, but if you do, give me a call. Well, guess what? I called him and I said, well, you read my mind back a few weeks ago when you told me you knew me well enough that you thought I might be going to make a change. And so I, I he told me, well, this guy is at a Division three school. Um, hang on just a second, just a second. Anyway, so I called him and he told me about him. And of course, we were looking at some other people too and had some people on the list. But down deep, I knew because I too was aware of Steve Alford's background, his greatness as a player, kind of person he was, Coach Knight. He had been on the Olympic team. They won the gold medal. He was on with Michael Jordan. And I was amazed that I'd kind of lost track. I didn't know where he was. He was at Manchester College up in Indiana. Pardon me. Uh, ironically, now his oldest son is at Huntington College, also in the state of Indiana. That's an NAI school. So kind of an odd deal. I, I remember I first called on a Sunday morning. They had played in the tournament, the Division Three tournament. And I called from uh, an office area in our own church because I had a little gap time in between. <laughs> and he said, now, who, who is this? Where are you calling from? And, and then I tell him, he said, so you're calling me about the head coaching job at, at uh, Southwest Missouri State? I said, yes. So that started it. And then uh, we had him in here that very next week and interviewed two or three other people. But I just knew, hey, this, this is going to this is what we need to do. And uh, a great four years. Uh, I think Steve would tell you himself that he probably should have stayed here another year or two. But he had success, and Iowa came bolting after him hard. And uh, But he, he led us to uh, great players he brought in, full houses in the arena. And then we have not been to the NCAA Division One tournament since Steve's last year in 1999. So to say we're hungry to get there is an understatement. But... Uh, just a great man uh, in so many ways, wonderful family. They had a daughter born while they were here, and, and we've, we've stayed in touch and been to the two sons' weddings and uh, things of that sort. But he's a quality individual that, again, again, relationships kind of with the that official that just told me about him. He knew kind of what we were used to here, 
And again, if we didn't have some sort of a relationship, and I'm not saying that because of me, but our, our fans, the attendants, and everybody, it made, a, it made a great situation for us. That it did, and, and you talk about Steve Alford being the man he is, and, and I remember the first time I met him. So I was, my freshman year, we played down at New Mexico, yes. and I got to make that, I was so excited to make that trip and got to, you know, in passing, say hi to Coach Alford, but I never met him. Uh, so his first trip to see the new arena, he was back in Springfield for, I believe it was the Tournament of Champions or Recruiting Visit, and uh, you pulled me out of practice. I was practicing in the East Gym with the women's team. I was working for the Lady Bears at yes. the time, and you pulled me out specifically because you know how much I, I thought of Steve, Coach Alford and uh, introduced us, and, and we had stayed in touch since then. And and again, you said relationships, you said it best when you say relationships matter, and, and just so appreciative of that moment in my life because, you know, Coach Alford is definitely somebody I, I continue to follow in his career wherever wherever he goes. Well, he, you've hit it right on the nose, and I've watched what he did. And he went to Iowa, and there's no slam on them at all, but uh, Bob Bowlesby, the retired commissioner recently of the, of the Big 12, was the ADF there. I mean, uh, he was there at the time, but before that, he was at Northern Iowa, so we had been friends since we'd been the AMQ, the Mid-Continent University's uh, conference we were, we were all in. And he, he told me, he called and said, hey, I don't want to bug you, but we're interested in your coach. Should he be where he would want to move at the end of this year and we made a deal that yeah but don't be calling him all the time he's aware of it he knows you're interested and uh but i don't want him bothered every night with getting a call from you about what he's going to do in iowa uh, should he go there and pretty well knew that. so bob agreed to it and sure enough uh, i knew on the plane trip home we played after we won uh, in the 99 uh, first and second round we beat uh, Wisconsin and Tennessee over at Charlotte in the first two rounds. And then we were sent for the quarterfinals up to uh, the Meadowlands to play Duke. And uh, we we had a great ball game with him, close at the half. It got, wound up getting beat, certainly by Duke, uh, in front of a great crowd the whole bit. And I knew on that plane ride back home, uh, that was the end of it for us with him because he was going to be going. And, and he did. He took the job. And they were they one thing they told him though, they're going to build a practice facility and i'm not talking out of school but they never did build that for him and he had gone some but he just he was just ready for a move and i got a call from the ad at new mexico who had been on the baseball committee with me again back to relationships and he said hey you think there's any his name is paul krebs and he said you think there's any chance that coach alford would be interested in leaving iowa coming to new mexico and i said call him he is interested. I haven't even talked to him about it, but I will later. And long story short, that's why Steve went on down there. They wanted him and he wanted, he just wanted to make a change. It just wasn't working out for him at Iowa. And then he won there, went from there to UCLA. And I'm like you, I followed him. Everybody went to Memphis when he was in the Sweet 16 with the UCLA team and we stay in touch, but a good quality man. I loved having him in charge of our players. He brought in those Indiana guys can always shoot the basketball. And uh, he, he brought uh, Bettenhausen and Alt in here and uh, Danny Moore uh, transferred in a, a big uh, six, nine or 10 post player that uh, just, they were great for us. And they, they're who took us to this, to the sweet 16 that year, 1999. Yeah. And then after that, um, last, last thing about this, and then I uh, definitely want to talk about a couple couple other, uh, the 2003 tournament or the 2003 uh, College World Series run and yeah. a couple other people. Um, but so when I had Coach Henson on my podcast as well, he said, obviously, Coach Alford left. You were new, looking for a new coach. And he brought up that um, he was at the time, I guess, the coaches at Oral Roberts had to live on campus. That's where Coach Henson was coaching at the time. And he said that the police officer on campus showed up at the apartment he was living in and uh, said, Coach Rao from Missouri State is calling you about the, the SMS job. And so he called you back and said, hi, Coach Rao. And he said, I was quickly informed it's Coach Rowe. Uh, <laughs> but then he said, the next day I'm driving up to Springfield and, and there you have it. So kind of talk about talk about him and, and his tenure here and, and uh, how we kind of transitioned into the Conzo Martin era. Yeah, we, uh, you know, with, with Barry, we had that, we opened the job up. 
and he wasn't on my radar to start with because we were trying to get me, you know, as well known a coach as whatever they could be. And uh, we we talked to, um, let me see the, the time on make, uh, may have been um, Kevin Stallings, who uh, had been at Illinois State, then he went to, or he'd been to K, KU as an assistant, and then he went to tied in with Purdue, then he went to Illinois State as the head coach, and he applied here when he was at at uh, Kansas as an assistant, and we passed over him that time. He was in that group, as I recall. Uh, Fran Frischella, we had him in for an interview, and he was interested, and then the deal came about at Baylor with, uh, oh, I forget the coach that had been there, but they had a young man that was involved, and there was a, a crime, and uh, they had to get rid of the coach and got rid of him too. And then Fran suddenly was interested in that job. So he fell off the radar. And uh, another coach from uh, Loyola in Chicago, I think at the time. And then, but we knew Barry, we had heard about him, didn't know that much. But the more we checked, the more we liked. And then he came up for an interview and we were sold on him. And uh, candidly, uh, I think before he even left town the next day, we'd offered him the job. And uh, he came highly recommended, Bill Self. Again, we'd known Bill and really I've known him since that time, which has been beneficial in a variety of ways, but he recommended him to the to the highest level. And, uh, you know, they, Barry was here for, I believe, nine years. And uh, we played for the title more times under his tutelage than we have anybody else. Uh, as far as once we've been in the Missouri Valley, but we couldn't win it. And, uh, it was kind of a mutual deal. I know we were over at Wichita, never forget it. I played a league game over there and I was in the press conference with him. Always accompanied him when he'd go in to speak to the media. And uh, when he came out, he said, Coach, I know our people are getting impatient and uh, I know we wouldn't need to win the league tournament or you need to make a change. And I know that's tearing you up, I can tell it. And he was really pretty right about it. And so I told the president, I said, look, he's realistic. He knows what we need to do. But we've given that much time here, and it's time we turned it around. We 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 had RPI one year, uh, as you well know, Tyler. I'm sure I finished number 21 in the country and didn't get a bid. That was during various time to be here. Uh, just just got close, but we couldn't get in. So so we made the change uh, there. And uh, let me think uh, of the sequence sequence that we went into, and that would have been Conzo. Uh, we changed presidents along the way too, because uh, we made our own separate little list after Barry left. And we have certainly followed Barry wherever he's been since that time. Then he later became the, he was uh, assistant at Oklahoma State and he got the head job at SIU. And from there now he's back at Oklahoma in charge of their NIL since Oklahoma State is the NIL director of their entire athletics program, which is wonderful. But uh, Dr. Mike Nitzel was here at the time as our president. And uh, he said, you make up your list of people you might have it, and I'll make mine too separately before we even compare notes. We did that later. And one guy that we both had on there on each of our separate lists was Conzo Martin. We'd seen him play. We had played against him. We had a home and home with uh, K-State that was maneuvered years ago by Charlie getting it on the schedule and he would never get to play it that way. But we had known who he was when he played then for Purdue, watching uh, Conzo play and then coach and know what he had done. And so we we had him on the list. We went to Indianapolis, interviewed him, went to Kansas City. And oddly enough, the guy that's now the interim head, head coach at Texas since Coach Beard's firing over there was a guy named Rodney Terry. And uh, we interviewed him. The, the Texas people gave us permission to interview him up in Kansas City. They, they were up there for the Big 12 tournament. And uh, he was really high up on our list. Uh, but it, it just wasn't those things that just wasn't going to work at the time. And we thought we'd go the other route. And that's what we wound up doing. And Conzo came in. And, you know, all are good. But again, that's kind of how the hiring things go. You. You hit and miss, you get good suggestions, you get so many calls, though now it's better. I always felt like then I had to return every call I got. Well, after a while, you can't do it. Because yep. you'll have 10 people calling you about 
what a good guy that Tyler Onstott is or whoever you're trying to hire or interviewing. And after a while, you got you got a job to do. You got to you got to keep moving. So that end of it's gotten better, but it's it's a very uh, trying process hiring, and probably one of the high that, other than managing your budget, making you stay within budget, raising enough money to make your budget, is the hiring and firing of coaches, because they're still my friends. Uh, I cared for them, but in this business, you can either do it, if not, you got to move on, and that's the way it worked. Yeah, definitely, and and you know, a lot of highs and lows in the world of college athletics. I've been on, you know. I've been on the side of being fired before when I was at Loyola of Chicago. And then I've been on the side of, you know, being a part of the 2015 super regional run as video coordinator. So you kind of know what you're getting into when you uh, get into the business and, and certainly your tenure, we've, we've went over a lot of the accomplishments, but real quick, as we kind of finish up, I want to talk about that 03 run to the college world series and, and uh, how that all played out. And then just, touch on all the coaches and, and people you work with at Missouri State um, and, and what what has made the athletics program what it is. Well, you know, I, I think it is the people, first of all. Our fa- we've got a great fan base. It's dimmed now uh, the last since COVID years. And yet I think it's had to do with social media uh, stuff that has come about that uh, all the type of messaging that can go on and there's a game on every hour of every night in basketball you can watch games all the time but so many more games have been televised i think that's had a bad bearing on it it's cut the crowds down and covid stopped the crowds virtually Uh, we went for a while we couldn't play in front of anybody and then we had to scrub the one season totally Uh, those things have made it tough there but overall it's like the 2003 world series coach got and played for me uh Again, I never had a full-time assistant the entire 19 years I was a baseball coach. I would use uh, young men that had played for me that had to go another semester or two to graduate to finish their degree. would give them a little bit of help, not much, to stay in help. They got experience in doing it. Coach Gutt was one of those. And uh, when they talked to me about, uh, we'd been to the, to the Division II World Series. That was my fourth trip to take the Division II team to the series. They talked to me and wanted me to be the AD, move up from assistant AD and the business manager that I'd been to the AD position. And I certainly said yes. Uh, but I said, you know, I've got a good bunch of recruits coming in. We're going to be good again next year. Uh, I'm really kind of picky about who we could get. And they said, well, who would you want? At that time, we didn't have to go through HR and do all the stuff you got to do now. That was in 1982. Uh, so you can imagine the, the changes that have gone on since that time. But I told them, Keith Gutton someone I wanted to come. And ironically, now in 40-some years of baseball since 1964, uh, there's only been, well, it's more than that, it's about 50. Uh, there's only been myself and him as the two head baseball coaches at Missouri State University. And uh, he's kept most of his assistants over the year. He made one change for the pitching coach this year. But Brent Thomas has been here. Paul Evans did a tremendous job for us in the development of the pitchers for the collegiate levels, many of which went on to play in the in the major leagues, and uh, we we've just got good good people that we've had, and they recruited not nationwide but regionally, but just got good players. And uh, you know, again, Norm DeBrian was at Arkansas. He would always play us home and home. Didn't matter what we did, we would win a little bit. We didn't win as much as him. I know he dedicated a new. Uh, AstroTurf Field at Arkansas, our first year to go down there, uh, we went in and swept a doubleheader from them. Probably two of the most memorable victories. I don't remember any details about the game, but uh, I had a guy named Bobby McCullough, and he got on base about six times in the two games. And he said, when is Bobby McCullough going to graduate? I said, this is only the second year I had him. He came from junior college. But those things you just kind of remember. But then going up to... Again, I've, I've been regionals and we had played, I mean, I'd had the regional at the University of Nebraska, uh, one of the prior years, just playing up there in the regional. So it gave me a little familiarity with the people there and knew some of them. And then we got sent there and we finished runner up for one year to Nebraska. But then in 2003, we got sent back there again. And this time uh, we came through and won the tournament, won the regional tournament to advance to the Super Regional. 
And again, uh, great performances out of the guys we uh, we had there. Uh, uh, our shortstop relief pitcher uh, went on to play uh, pitch in the big leagues for several years, and he transferred our place to the University of Missouri. Uh, but an ironic thing about that, we didn't bid on the Super Regional because I knew we probably weren't going to have a chance to host it because of uh, the stadium that we have was not it's the one down south of Springfield here. It was a good stadium, but it wasn't really quick for television and all that. But we could if we needed to, but we didn't even bid on it. Well, I'm on my way home from, from Lincoln after winning that regional after our baseball team. I get a call from Denny Pope of the NCAA and said, look, you're paired against the winner of the Auburn regional. Ohio State just won that. And you guys won the Nebraska regional. And neither one of you bid on the super regional. Can you put something together and get it to me tonight? I said, well, my son is driving my vehicle back when I'm talking to you like this. But give me some time and I will call you back with a, just a very, uh, not, in, not inappropriate, but a hurried bad bid that I could kind of put together. And I did that. Cell phones weren't real good in those day and time. And I know we stopped at a convenience store. I called in our bid from a convenience store <laughs> up in Creighton, Missouri, which is between Kansas City and Clinton, Missouri. And uh, he took that, and then the next day they called and said, well, we're going to award it to Ohio State because their stadium is on campus. And uh, so we politely get sent up there, beat Ohio State two consecutive games. I think we scored 13 runs in each game to advance to that 2003 uh, College World Series. And but have you ever heard of a bid being done on a on an outdoor payphone uh, on the way home from your regional? But neither one of us had bid on it because we didn't think we'd have a chance to host. But we did. Yeah, and and like I said, looking back, I I remember those. You know, I I went to a lot of the games in 0203, yes. and and you bring in names. You know, Sean Markham and Bob Zimmerman and Adam Pummel. I still. Yep. To this day, I, I talk to Adam Pummel all the time. I actually just texted him today. And and uh, Dante Brinkley was my favorite oh. uh, player. I mean, just the way, you know, I went and saw him play in the minors. So just really good people at Missouri State. And, and that team, all the programs that I was associated with, football, we, we've talked about a lot of the coaches you hired. You know, I've had Coach Burnett on my podcast. And, yes. and you know, all of them have, you know, just really – um, we've had a great relationship and, and a lot of that is, is because of people like you and, and Casey Hunt, who I'm very close with and, and yes. Coach Gutton and, and Coach Lusk, I still talk to. So just good people at Missouri State and, and really appreciate everything you've done for, again, for the university and, and for me personally and the people you've brought in who have been a big part of my life. It's I, I, I still to this day, even here in New Jersey, uh, I had the Missouri State basketball game up uh, at a local local place I hang out at it and even they're starting to get into it even though you know the men's team um, you know things are looking good in conference yeah. play but even some of the people I know in Jersey are starting to get into it through me because they know how much of how much Missouri State that's great teams. so that's great. Hey, uh, real quick before I let you go coach Rose so I do a thing at the end of my podcast called Tyler's five and it's just five random questions that any uh nothing to do with anything. So okay. it's kind of a hit or miss. Uh, it's kind of made to put you on the spot a little bit, but uh, let's roll with it if you don't mind. Yeah. Awesome. So first question, favorite place to visit? Uh, favorite? Uh, I say the state of Florida during spring training. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You would uh, you would love Clearwater, Florida. I, um, I lived right down the street from where the Blue Jays uh, spring yeah. training is and the Clearwater Threshers and Philadelphia Philly spring trainings there. So, yeah, definitely uh, can, can see why you would say that. Uh, second, if you had to pick lake or ocean, what would you pick? Say that again. If you had to pick going to the lake or going to the ocean, what would you pick? Ocean. Ocean. All yeah. right. And if you could have dinner with one person, who would it be? Um. That are, that's still alive? Either. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I would, I, I've always admired President Teddy Roosevelt. He wrote a great piece that I have. It's kind of my motto about the man in the arena. And uh, he also initiated the, the NCAA. And uh, 
I mean, there's John F. Kennedy that I, I just admired him. Great baseball people I'd love, just sports people. But if I had to pick one, uh, I would do him. Great. Uh, fourth question, Philadelphia or New York City? Well, I'm more familiar with Philadelphia. Uh, of course, Ryan Howard was there, and I got to visit in there with him several times. And one of our former guys is back there working at Temple now. I love the historical stuff in Philadelphia, so I would pick it. I love New York City, too. I'm glad to visit there. I'm personally not wild about living there because I like the wide open spaces a little <laughs> bit more, but Philadelphia's historical background, I think is why I like that. Definitely a lot of history, both places, and it's funny yeah. you mentioned that about New York. I, When I was a kid, I was like, oh, I'd love to live in Manhattan, and I'm 30 minutes from Times Square here in Porterette, New Jersey. And I tell my parents all the time, I'm close enough to go in and visit, but I'm far enough away from the from the yeah. rat race. So well, I, I lived in the rat race in downtown Chicago and St. Louis. So I'm kind of over that now. <laughs> I'm getting back to my Willard type of roots. You yeah, know? that's right. Uh, last question, Coach. If you could only order from one fast food place, what would it be? It has to be fast food. Uh, my favorite, I, I got to tell you this. My favorite pizza place is John's Pizzeria in uh, East Chicago, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. It's, I, I, I get it anytime I'm remotely close, I'm going to go there. But, uh, oh gosh. Um, I, think I'd, I think I'd pick uh, the old favorite, and that would be McDonald's. McDonald's, <laughs> can't go wrong with that. Can't so. go wrong. They've been great supporters of our ours, but we, we've used their facilities over the years, but just one, I think that's what I'd do. Absolutely. Well, Coach Rowe, I'm so glad we could, uh, you took time to do this, and so glad to catch up, Coach, and, and like I said, please tell the family hello. I will do so. I'll, yeah. I'll get a hold of them this evening. Believe me, I'll see you tonight when I get home, but I'm going to make sure Nancy knows, because she always thought the world of you, so I'll pass Appreciate that on to her, and she's doing good. Her boy is now 6'2", 210. He'll be pitching and playing first for Glendale this spring. <laughs> and I remember when he was he yep. was small and running around JQH Arena at, pr at practices and wow, just right. time, time flies. But again, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Coach Bill Rowe.